heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them, from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur. The creator. The producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. And I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is uh, Richard Matthews, and I'm on the line with Mike Kaler. Mike, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Awesome. Glad to have you here on the show. Let me do a quick introduction for you, and then we'll get right into your story. So Mike is the founder and chief strategist at Smirk New Media in Oklahoma City, um, digital marketing firm that you launched in July of 2010. And for more than 20 years, you have been helping people tell their stories and transform the way that content is delivered to consumers. What I want you to start with, Mike, is tell me what it is that you guys are known for today. Why do people come to you? What is it that you help them do? Uh, well, we were sort of the first ones, you know, we meaning me, were the first ones in Oklahoma City to sort of dive into the deep end of the pool of digital marketing. Uh, you know, after, after spending a long time in traditional media, I, I launched a firm uh, solo, but nobody else was really doing social strategy and content and all of that. Now, it seems like everybody's doing it now, but back then we were the first. So, you know, what we really, what people really come to us for then is, is sort of us, our knowledge and knowing where the trends and, and all this is, is going and, and, and what the latest strategies are. And then lately, our biggest product has been social media customer service where big businesses and multi-location companies are coming to us to figure out how to sort of replace their call centers, their, their customer service interaction with real-time human interaction in social media. So that's actually really interesting. How, how is that, um, is that kind of customer service available to smaller companies or do you have to have a big staff to manage something like that? How, how do you actually manage customer service for a, for a company using real-time social media? Well, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's scalable, you know, what we do for you know, just uh, one of our smaller clients, maybe, uh, uh, you know, a locally owned business has one or two locations, that sort of, that service is sort of baked into the content creation and monitoring uh, and engagement that we're doing for them. What the, what the big service is, what we call active response, has much more complexity to it in terms of how do we get the workflows created to connect uh, my frontline people to frontline managers at the stores to to the marketing and PR department at the corporate offices and to maybe, you know, some real-time call center, you know, uh, uh, IT sort of tagging uh, system there. So 
that you know that work we're creating a lot of sort of intricacies and 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 responses but you know the 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 hardcore small business work that we started doing from day one is we're managing people's social content and we're interacting with their customers so it's real time either way but what we're trying with active response is uh, showing a differentiation between what we do and what people are trying to do now with bots and AI and sort of programmable information that's really lacking in, in, in some areas. Yeah, it's one of the things that I've, um, I've talked about with my, uh, my business partner a lot is just because you can automate it doesn't mean you should, right? And, uh, <laughs> um, and learning how to leverage automation to create the easier opportunity for real human connection instead of trying to replace human connection with robots. Right. Um, and I think a lot of companies make that kind of mistake where they're trying to replace humans with robots instead of using robots to enhance human communication. Right. And a lot of, you know, where we saw where the rubber meets the road on this is really, you know, you know, one of our key measurements in that area is, is sort of positive or negative sentiment, sentiment about a brand. And what we found and what our clients have found is that AI doesn't understand sarcasm for one. So what might be a, a comment from a, uh, from a customer dripping with sarcasm is, is then tagged as a positive uh, interaction by the AI because they, all they see is, oh, I had such a great time tonight at your, uh, at your location. It doesn't sort of register the rolling eye emoji or sort of all the conversation above and below that. Yeah. Where, where my folks can go in, not only do they understand that, but but our goal is always how do we turn a negative comment into a positive one, or how do we turn a negative comment and, and rectify it in such a way that it doesn't spawn sort of ten more negative comments, which which for some of the mm -hmm. people that we work with what's happening all the time on you know on Facebook or on the review site so. that makes a lot of sense so what I want to talk about next is your origin story right every hero has an origin story it's where you started to realize that you were different that maybe you had superpowers and maybe you could use them to help other people um, when did you start on your entrepreneurial journey was this company that you started in 2010 was that the first your first step into entrepreneurship or what did the journey look like to get you to this point now well, yeah, it was, it, it really was. So I was in, I was a regular print journalist from the time I turned 16 and can go, could go cover high school football games and write stories. Uh, you know, I did that all the way up and until, you know, like we said, 10 years ago, but what happened in that, in that sort of, uh, in my career in, in print journal, journalism was, I sort of became the guy who um, figured out the internet before everybody and was really starting to experiment once we moved here to Oklahoma City and we were, I was working for the, the state's largest newspaper. But in about 2005, 2006, 2007, we really started to experiment with what could we do to tell stories differently using some digital tools. And so those digital tools became uh, social media, those digital tools became live streaming video, you know, all of the, this toolbox continued to expand and expand for me. And we were just sort of playing. 
in in my area, which was sports journalism for a long time. And then uh, as these things started to catch on uh, and we started to experiment more, then I did that sort of for the newsroom writ large. And we did a whole bunch of, of, of really cool things, you know, as Twitter was, was sort of starting out and getting its feet under it, you know, as we did a lot of stuff with sort of live chatting, which was really the first time we could, you know, in a hundred years, you could get real time feedback from your customers about what content they were interested, what information they needed. And we were having those sort of conversations with them. And then, you know, the industry being what it was, all the good that I found that came from the internet also sort of, you know, undercut the entire industry. And so there were some setbacks there and, you know, I, I quickly figured out, Hey, I could leave and still sort of help people tell their story, but I could go do that for brands and get ahead of this, you know, the tsunami that was about ready to knock over, you know, traditional media. And that's what I'm doing now. It's a lot of the same tools and tricks that we, we, we did uh, back when social media was just starting, but now it's about, you know, creating that connection between brand and customer instead of that connection between, uh, you know, media outlet and reader. So I'm curious, how did you find the uh, transition from being a employee to being a business owner and then from being a business owner to like growing a team and a staff and an agency? What was that like? Well, it was, you know, I always say that it was sort of the, the world's biggest trust fall where I just sort of, you know, I, I just sort of fell back and hoped that the community would catch me. So, you know, a good, <laughs> a good superhero metaphor for this is there's that scene in the, in the Shazam movie that came out last year where Billy just sort of yeah. runs, runs off of the, the roof of the building and yells Shazam. And fortunately, it catches him and he's able to fly off. So that's what I, I felt like I was doing that. I had no clients. I had no money. I had a laptop that I bought from a pawn shop. And I was just like, hey, we're doing this. And so, you know, I, and I was an English major in college. So... I didn't have any business, you know, I had taken no business classes. I had taken no marketing classes. I didn't know how to put a P&L together. All these skills that I was lacking. I basically, you know, would figure out how to register my LLC and put together a very rudimentary website and, and just start. So, I mean, that was been the scariest part. Um, but at some point, you know, I picked up, uh, my my first intern who turned into my first hire who turned now into my business partner was really great. <laughs> I was I was blessed by that. And and there was a point at which you know we had to make a decision of do we want to stay small and you know have maybe five or six really good clients and make a good living, or do we want to do, do we want to do something different? And so you know, we made that turn to, we want to grow, you know, one of the things I, I love more than anything in my job is being able to hire people and, and allow people to, you know, have a good life and make a good living themselves. So, you know, so we added staff and, and grown that, that's had its ups and downs and roller coasters and sacrifices, but, um, 
you know, there's, it's been a lot of learning on the fly, but the biggest thing has sort of been find people, you know, finding people who know more than me about the stuff that I, the help that I need. And so fortunately that's happened. Absolutely. So what would you say one of the biggest lessons of making that transition as if you had started over and you could talk to yourself, right? And say, hey, make sure you do this real early on and growing your business. Is there anything you would, uh, you would tell yourself to do differently? Um, yeah, I think the, the heart, you know, what, one of the lessons, and we're still learning it now, it would have been not to say yes to everything. You know, when you're sort of in yeah. starvation, and you're putting something ground, and you're taking, you're 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 saying yes to anybody who wants to hire you to do anything for any amount of money. You know, you it takes longer than to learn what the true value of your time is. It takes longer to realize who makes a good client and who doesn't make a good client. And so, you know, I would I would just teach a little more discernment and a little more patience to myself starting out. Um, it, and and maybe that would have you know lightened a lot of headaches down the road where we had to at some point we had to stop doing that and it was hard at least for me personally who had lived through the lean year the lean startup years to understand why we had to stop doing that yeah it's a it's a tough lesson i think a lot of entrepreneurs learn too Um, i know i went through that because i when i started my my agency I said yes to anything and everything, right? Because like, that's what you do. You're like, I need to put food on the table. So if you'll pay me, we'll do it. <laughs> um, and and it's interesting because it's almost like a catch-22. You, I almost feel like you have to go through that experience to realize what your value is. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can learn to not do that. <laughs> so you have to do it to learn you shouldn't do it. Um, but yeah, um, it, but it helps you really develop who you are and what you're really good at. Right. Yeah, it really, you know, and it's been additionally weird for us, and I'm sure you're in the same spot, is that, you know, I, I always talk about my first couple of years of running, uh, running Smirk was, was a lot like being a missionary. I had to go out to people, explain to them what something was, and then tell them how much they needed it. Oh, and if you could give me money for it too, that would be great. So, you know, all these people yeah. had no idea what digital marketing was in 2010 let alone that it had value, you know, to, to their business and it had value where they had to pay somebody to do something. So, you know, that was, you know, that was a, a real struggle, but now in our business, you know, my base retainer is 10 times what it was 10 years ago. And there's a lot more competition, but people see that we're not having that ROI conversation as much anymore. We're not, you know, people are coming in and understand. Because they just, they know. Yeah, they understand how much work it is. They understand how much potential it is to pay for itself and bring bring business in. And so that part of it has gotten a lot easier. But the journey from there to here is is like going through the ring or something. Yeah, that's that's part of the, uh, the problem with being, in your case, a early adopter and an innovator in the space is you're at the front end of that bell curve where that, the awareness level is not there. So all of your, all of your potential customers, they're at the, I, I talk about awareness levels, what, why, how now they're at the, at the what stage. They don't even know that they have a problem yet. Right. So you have to educate them about the problem. You have to educate them about why it's a problem. You have to educate them about how they can take care of the problem and then how you could actually help them with it. 
Whereas nowadays, a new agency is coming in and everyone knows they're looking at like, okay, I know what I need to do. How do I get it done? Who can I hire to make it happen? So the conversation is a lot different than it was 10 years ago. Yeah, it's really funny because some of, you know, some of my very first clients were the bigger ad agencies in town who would outsource to me to just write social content and everything like that. So I was doing that for a bunch of those folks. Uh, but then they all realized, oh, hey, this is a service. <laughs> this is a service that we need to, you know, include in for all clients. And so they all brought all of that work in house. And now those people uh, with whom I was a, a contractor are now my now my peers and competitors because everybody's you know fighting in this space. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So I want to move on just a little bit and ask you about your superpowers, right? So um, what is it specifically that you either bring to your business or bring to your clients that, um, that really helps you solve problems for people? It really helps you slay the villains, so to speak. Um, if you could nail that down and say, hey, this is, this is my superpower, what would you say that is? Well, one of the things that I've, I've always brought to the table well, a couple of things. One is sort of, you know, a very brutal on, uh, honesty. You know, I don't have sort of a, a BS bone in my body where I, so I'm coming to people and very, very quickly telling them what they're doing bad. Now that doesn't always make all the sex smile, but you know, I, I want to make sure that people understand that there's good ways to do what we do and there's poor ways to do what we do. And there, there's, there's ways to get to good, but you, but you can't do that without recognizing the bad. So that's, you know, I, I, yeah, that makes no, a lot of sense. I had no filter. So I'm, I'm going to say, Hey, your website is bad and it's affecting you in this way. You know, there's no, you, you shouldn't be putting, just pictures of baby kittens on your on your social media if you're a construction company you know things like that you know that drive me crazy but i'm i i think that some people are just sort of being told what they want to hear and i i i really have no tolerance for that uh on the flip side of that the sort of soft and fuzzy side of me is the one thing that i did from the very beginning and now is is one of the big pieces that I still contribute to uh, to the team is I'm very interested in uh, the the voice of the con of content voice and the consistency of of what brands sound like and and how they use words and and how that is such a big differentiator in both the daily organic content that we put out and the the customer service content we put out so you know i i see oftentimes where we're in the in the online content space where people fall into the trap of uh the brand's content sounds like whomever is managing uh the brand whoever the manager of the brand's content is so you know so i would see where there's these you know, law firms that have been around a hundred years, you know, and the average age of the lawyer is 72 years old, but they've hired a 22 year old intern to post social media content. And that content sounds like a 22 year old intern. And so that gap yeah. is something that 
I really feel strongly about, but it sort of, you know, scratches that, you know, English lit major in me where I can go through and we analyze vocabulary, we analyze words and emoji use and all of these different things. And I just want to paint, I just want to help, you know, our, our clients paint the most honest picture of themselves online. And that, that means, uh, that means they have to be consistent in, in, in the way that they, in the way they speak. Yeah. I, I call that uh, unconscious trust signals, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, in the way that we interact with pretty much anything, our, our brain's test for truth is consistency. Um, and mm -hmm. even things that like you wouldn't pick up if you weren't an English lit major and didn't quite understand, you, you may not know exactly why it makes you feel uncomfortable or why it's not congruent, but you'll, it'll, it'll be there. Right. Um, and that's why we talk about things like branding. Right. And, you know, if you have a consistent style and consistent typography and consistent color uses and consistent vocabulary usage, it's a unconscious signal of trust to your potential customers saying that we are who we say we are. Um, and, um, and you can, you can rely on us. We have integrity, that kind of thing. So it's, um, it's, I think it's, it's foundational for actually for those, those brands to be able to actually attract customers in any form of media, what, regardless of whether or not it's social. Yeah. And that's still, to me, that's still an indication of an, of an immaturity in how people do their social media content where it's still, you know, the, the youngest person on the marketing team is like, Oh, you know how to run a Facebook page, run this. And they're, there's still a level of sophistication there that's missing. And, and that's where, you know, I'm, I'm surprised by that and not surprised by that. You know, as we dig deeper into sort of doing things for these, these bigger brands, you know, it's still like only, there's only a third of companies, you know, in the latest study I saw that are even monitoring for customer service at all. You know, it's 2019. And people are still not, you know, once five o'clock comes, nobody's answering questions on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And, and that still shocks me. It makes me smile because that's a lot of potential business, but. Um, uh, uh, opportunity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about the, uh, the flip side of superpowers, right? It's, uh, superpowers, which you help to uh, solve problems. Your fatal flaw would be your kryptonite, right? Superman has kryptonite. Batman's not actually a superhero. He's just a rich guy who's really, really dedicated, right? What would you say your fatal flaw is? Something that has either held you back personally or held back your company that you've had to work on? And more importantly, what have you done to help overcome that, to help continue to grow your business for people who might, you know, struggle with the same thing? Well, I think it's sort of similar to those early lessons uh, of, of saying yes to anything. And that meant really getting overextended and really and really not understanding uh you know what my capacity was and you know honestly you know in those early few years doing a lot of really bad work just because i always thought you know more clients equals more success and so you know instead of doing great work for three people i was doing a overextended and doing bad work for them so, you know, and I think yeah that, doing mediocre work yeah that was a lot of it you know and I and, and just to be a little bit more open and personal about it you know my 
I've had success and I know a lot of people in the entrepreneurial space have this, uh, or I had a lot of issues with sort of the definition of success when I first started and sort of measuring myself against that almost on a daily basis. And then it was either a pass fail every day. And really if, you know, losing a client or, or, you know, something, uh, or a mistake went out on the, the work that we did or not, not getting picked, uh, after giving a proposal or something like that, you know, that was, it was really hard, uh, mentally, uh, to sort of cope with that too. And, you know, fortunately I, what I did was surround myself with some great people, not, you know, had myself do a lot less and had learned to, de learned to delegate and really learn to not care so much about measuring other things or, or sort of abstract things, but just, you know, being more content that the business existed and that things were going okay. Yeah. And that was like, for me, um, on that same journey, it was like, my success was, was a revenue number. You know, like, had I hit this revenue number yet? Um, and when you're focused on the revenue number, you realize um, that you're making choices to hit revenue numbers instead of choices that are best for your customers. Um, and I realized like somewhere along that way that like, I didn't actually need that revenue number to be happy with what I was doing in my life. Um, and the focus shifted to how can I help my customers and, you know, and still hit what I wanted to hit. Um, and it's interesting because once that focus shifted to how can I do the best thing for my customers, my business grew, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when it's to your point, a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that definition of success um, and what does success look like? And one of the things that I've noticed, at least in my business, is that for me, success is my clients get the best result possible. Um, and the benefit of that is that I get paid really well for it and my agency gets paid well for it. <laughs> yeah, whenever, uh, whenever anyone asks us what, ask me what our vision statement is, uh, it's uh, great work, happy clients, making money. That's my vision statement. So if we can <laughs> I there, like it. That's all, that's all that we, that's all we need to be doing. But that's, that's been a, it's been a journey to get to, get to that point. Awesome. So um, we uh, um, talk on the show regularly about the, uh, your driving force, right? Just like Spider-Man fights to save New York, Batman fights to save Gotham. You guys fight for happy clients who are making money, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. I like that. It's a good vision statement. So if you're, uh, if, if that's your driving force, that's what you're fighting for. The other side of your driving force is your common enemy, right? It's, I like to think of your common enemy as the thing you're fighting against, right? For every time you bring in a customer or a new agent or a new client into your agency, there's some sort of struggle in education that happens, you know, mindsets that are holding them back that are keeping you from getting really good results for them. If you had like a magic wand, you could just bop your new clients in the head with it and magically remove something that is holding you back from getting great results from your clients. What would you say that thing is something you have to fight against regularly? Well, part of it is just perception of what we do. I mean, the reason we're called Smirk, which is a story I tell all the time, is I feel like you know, we're at this sort of intersection of of something I take very seriously, you know, how how the digital world has impacted all parts of our life, 
and the fact that what we do sometimes is very, very silly. You know, this is back when you could poke people on Facebook. You could, you know, everything had a, a silly name, and 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 everything on the social media side was not taken seriously. And so it's that combination of I'm sending a tweet, which is a ridiculous thing to do, but it is for a very serious purpose of helping our client. But that perception that that social is still something is still a punchline is is even with clients that come in um it's still something that i wish would would go away i mean you could see you see how people talk about it in the media you see how how older people still act like it's you know it's this confusing and crazy thing and and that's something that we still have to fight against and and i just wish if people could see it the way i've seen it impact real lives um they would would treat it with a little bit more respect i guess or at least treat it uh as something that is much more positive than negative yeah and it's it's an interesting it's an interesting battle you have to you have to fight there because all of your customers are using social media right they use it personally and the business stuff that happens with it is happening right alongside their you know their teenage son who's posting you know cat videos and their friends who are posting political stuff and um you know that you know make them want to pull their hairs that hair out right not and then it's right next to serious business stuff and that, that i mean that applies everywhere from facebook to youtube to you know even iMessages has business chat right and you can communicate with a business on iMessage and talk to T-Mobile and get things taken care of right next to your conversation with your best buddy. Right? So like getting them to separate and think about there is a serious aspect to social media that as a company, you need to treat it well um, and treat it like it's a serious part of your business because I mean, it's, it's a straight, it's a bottom line revenue driver if you do it well. Um, well and now sort of the unseriousness of it has been replaced by sort of this the paranoia about privacy and so now instead of getting laughs mm -hmm. with zuckerberg as the punchline i can get laughs with zuckerberg as as big brother but you know but then people are like it's it's just this duality where people are like oh you know those places are stealing my privacy um you know and they know everything about me but then at the same time they're like oh look that's exactly the kind of brand of soap that I like and I'm so glad that those I'm seeing ads about that instead of ads about stuff that I don't like so it's that whole you know everybody wants the the web to sort of serve their whims and, and be very focused narrowly on what they they like and what's in their bubble but at the same time not under not understanding or not wanting to understand that well this data exists so you can have a better you can have a better relationship with with what you're doing on the web so yeah it's an, it's, it's interesting <laughs> yeah it's definitely that's an interesting discussion we probably have a whole podcast just on that and like how that's going to affect society and culture and whatnot because it's really interesting um but it's probably outside the scope of uh you know breaking down all of how social media affects us um 
what I want to talk about next is uh, your tool belt, right? Some of the uh, the things that you guys use to make your business do what it is, right? So, you know, maybe you have a big magical hammer like Thor or a bulletproof vest like your police officer down the street, or maybe you guys just really love how Trello or Evernote lets you manage your stuff. What are some of the things that you guys use every day to um, either manage your clients or to deliver your services for your clients that actually uh, that, that are game changers? Um, so we really... There's a couple of things. We really live out of Asana and out of Slack uh, every day. And, and Asana has become such a ro robust tool for us. And I've, you know, I was sort of a late adapter compared to all the strategists who are doing many more tasks than me. But as I've built out the business development team, um, the ability to sort of template out, you know, really our customer journey we use Slack internally for all of our communication, and I love how those two things things play together. Uh, a, a new tool that I've been using just solo that I'm trying out for the team uh, is this web service called Sunsama. I think it's S-U-N-S-A-M-A. And what it is is basically uh, a, the, the strange baby of Asana and Google in the Google Calendar where I can go through yeah. and, plan, and plan my day and see both tasks and calendar items, prioritize those, you know, assign amount of time to each of those. So what I do every morning, which is the biggest thing in my tool belt is just how I manage my time, you know, from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. every morning, I'm really digesting what does my day look like, you know, making sure, you know, looking at my task list, you know, that setup time for me is so valuable uh, that I don't, I don't think anybody should start their day without sort of that pause at the very beginning before you roll into all the stuff that you have to do. And so that's what, yeah, that's, what that's a, that's a thing I need to start doing and not take early morning appointments and, uh, you know, move them back a little bit so I can, I can uh, do that more often because I know the days that I do, I get more done. Um, and you said that that tool is Sunsumo. I'll have to check that out. I think it's Sunsama, S-U-N. Sunsama, okay. S-A-M-A, -A, I think is what it's called. Yeah. We use uh, Slack as well in our business. We use uh, Trello for the project management, though not Asana. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about Asana, though. So we're going to have to check that out at some point. Um, but yeah, the, uh, those, um, those couple of things come up regularly. The other one that I've, I've noticed is how, how frequently guests on the show talk about that, that morning time where you plan your day, how important that is to actually growing growing a successful business. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to see that continue to come up. And then on the social side, we used, we've transitioned recently to using Sprout uh, Social for managing all of our client accounts. We're actually uh, an agency partner for them now because some of the stuff we're doing with active response is sort of pushing the boundaries of, of what Sprout can do. But, um, but we've really liked that. I was a Hootsuite guy from back in the day <laughs> and you know just yeah their in their inability to really innovate sort of really got us in a bind and so sprout's been been a really great partner for us we just had to you know onboard like i don't know like uh, 150 new accounts with them so uh, for a new client and they were they were cool with it so and it, it was it was a pretty smooth transition the new show will be right back.
Are you tired of trying to write webinars that don't consistently convert? How would you like to have a webinar that effortlessly created sales in your online business? You can. Introducing the Webinar Alchemy Workshop. Webinar Alchemy Workshop is an online masterclass that will help you write incredibly persuasive webinars for your online courses quickly and easily. Using what you learn in this class, you can build a webinar that educates your entire audience while still creating sales. For a limited time, you can purchase this masterclass for only $7, and you'll get the exact framework I've personally used to help my clients sell more than a million dollars worth of online coaching and training just over the last year. Simply text the word ALCHEMY, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y, to 444-999, and I'll send you all the details. The music is by Purple Planet Music. Visit www.purple-planet.com. And now, back to the show. Awesome. So... Let's move on a little bit and talk about your own personal heroes, right? Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had Obi-Wan, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who were some of your heroes? Were they uh, real-life mentors, speakers, or authors? Were they peers or just peers ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far with your agency? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had a bunch of people just pop in and out of my life. I, you know, sometimes I, I feel a little like Forrest Gump that way. Um, you know, I had a great mentor when I was at the newspaper named Mike Sherman, who was, I was, he was my editor. I was his number two. And, you know, he was really part of that innovation that we were doing uh, with trying out new tools. We, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's probably a common story, but, but Mike and I started reading Good to Great by Jim Collins. And this must've been 2006-ish when that book first came out. And it really changed us in that, you know, we were journalists who didn't have a business mindset. And by the time we got through all that, we had a business mindset for the, for the journalism that we were doing. And that's what really, really sort of, uh, you know, lit the fuse on me of, of doing something differently because it was about analyzing data and it was about listening to the customer you know, and for a hundred years, the newspaper business had been, you know, 10 old white guys in a room deciding what the best news was for everybody. And, but once we sort of opened our eyes, once the web opened our eyes to readers giving us feedback for, you know, seeing what was getting online uh, and, and being, and really being subservient to that data, uh, that, that changed, you know, what Mike did really really changed my, changed my life and, and changed the direction of things. You know, there's, there's always been, you know, I'm a big Gary Vee guy. You know, I was since a long, you know, since Crush It first came out, you know, that whole idea, you know, that, you know, he's a competitor of ours now, actually. So, you know, the, the, of being able to really share good content and the engagement being so important was for us. You know, and then my wife is just, you know, I'm not to be all corny, but she was working, she was working the real jobs while I was out trying to make this thing happen and really, you know, really busting it for us and, and, you know, and listening and being patient with, with the growth and being patient with the promises and all of that. And so, you know, the, and then just our community, you know, Oklahoma City is, is really interesting because there was, a, there was a handful of us that, that all went out in, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011 was really a renaissance time for our city. And when a lot of people went out and sort of started their own businesses, you know, and that was, 
you know, we were a real tight knit Twitter community there in, in eight, nine, ten. And we also lean on each other and refer business to each other. And, you know, I wouldn't be around if not for all those people. So. Yeah. I, uh, I particularly feel it with the, uh, the wife as well. My wife is a, a homemaker. We got uh, four kids at home and she's always like, I don't know what I'm contributing. I'm like, if you weren't doing what you were doing, I couldn't do what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> like the, uh, it makes the, makes everything go around. Um, so I, I appreciate that as well. Um, the, uh, the last thing we talk about this on the show is your guiding principles, right? So what are the top one or two principles or actions that you use on a daily basis that you think contribute to your success and the influence that your company enjoys today? Maybe something you wish you had known when you'd started out. Um, it's, it's changed over the years, obviously. Now that I have, so we have, I have 10, uh, I have 12 employees now. And, you know, what's really gets me through the day now is really about it's servant leadership. It's really, what can I do to help make them more, as successful as they can be? What can I do to shine light on them? You know, I'm getting old. I've done, you know, I've done all the, the, that's what brings me joy now instead of like, hey, look at me, look at me. So that's been a lesson, <laughs> quite honestly. So yeah, you know, that's super important to me. How do I put my people in the best position for them to succeed? So loyalty is a big thing for us. You know, flexibility is a big thing. You know, I, uh, there was a, there was a short time between when I left the new when I started the company where I worked for a traditional PR agency. And it was a very short time because there were a lot of rules at that place. <laughs> um, and what we've done is created a culture here where we're all about, we're all about flexibility. You know, all we, all I care about is that you're doing great, you know, those three guiding principles, great work and happy clients and money. You know, if you're doing that, I don't care if you're in the office or out of the office. I don't care if you work at Starbucks or work at your desk. I want to be as flexible as I can in order to, in order to get you into a headspace where you're doing great work. And then just honesty. Yeah. You know, every problem, consistently every problem that I see, not just in our business, but in the world is people not being 100% honest. And then having to figure out and take a lot of their time energy figuring out to remember all the dishonest stuff that they say to people. So, you know, <laughs> so it goes back to where what I really first talked about was if something's not working or if you're doing ugly, I'm just going to tell you because the, the consequences of telling you are not nearly going to be as bad as the consequences of 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 not telling you and then having to fix it later. So. Yeah, that is uh, absolutely true. Um, and as you, uh, you, you realize the time management that goes into trying to keep up with not having integrity. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just not, it's not a profitable way to go. And then that, that, I mean, I'm, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Ironically, that time where we're doing poor work, it was because of that. It was like, I know I told this person that I would have this project done. I don't remember the reason, the excuse I gave for missing that deadline. I don't remember the excuse I gave for not having this thing done right. All those plates, you try to spin all those plates and they're all gonna fall. And then it's, then it's 10 times, 10 times the, the, 
the suffering after that. So. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So um, the last thing we do on the show is something, it's uh, real simple. I call it the hero challenge. Hero challenge is basically this. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story on the show? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I know quite a few people. You know, I, I have a really good friend of mine named Bobby, who's actually at the lunch. I have the napkin on my wall from the lunch we had when I first came up with the idea of starting my own company. He's a great entrepreneur, great marketer, you know, grew up, has sort of an extraordinary life story growing up uh, in a boy's home around other boys and sort of bootstrapping his way up to things. And, and you know, he's a guy who is a mentor of mine and, and a great creative sort of calming force in my life. And, and you know, another one of those people, if not for that lunch, would I be sitting where I'm sitting today? And, you know, he's a, he's a great entrepreneur himself. So. Cool. Well, we'll reach out after the show and see if we can get connected with him. Sure. Um, that basically brings us to the end of our interview. So what I want to do here is I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Um, last question, where can people find you if they're interested in, uh, in learning from you or hiring you? And more importantly, what is the ideal type of person to reach out and hire an agency like yours? Uh, so Smirk New Media, uh, we're the only ones as far as I know. So everywhere. Uh, so that's our URL, smirknewmedia.com. Uh, that's where all of our social channels are that. Uh, all of my social channels are MKOKC. Uh, so on all of the Twitter and on Twitter should be on there now, quite honestly, but I'm on all there, you know, the, the, the ideal client that we've grown into, you know, and, and you could, they can, people can see this as they sort of read, you know, our story on the, our website and the way we do things. What we are really looking for now is, is people who is internal marketing people who need help. You know, there's a lot of people who work who are working now as maybe a one or two person marketing team at a big at a bigger company, and they just don't have the time to keep up with everything nor the time to do everything. So what we want to do is we want to be an extension of that marketing department. You know, when five five o'clock rolls around, you can go home and feel secure in that. You're still getting great engagement on your brand. You're still getting people. People aren't left wondering uh, with, with questions, wondering what the answers are. And that's where we feel like we fit in with with a lot of boots on the ground and a lot of creativity in our head. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if you are listening to the show and you've been in that spot, I know I've been in that spot. When I, I ran a marketing com marketing thing for a big. Um, big regional firm and the marketing department was me and one other person right and we were managing the marketing for 100 100 plus employee company um, and having someone like you to come in and actually take care of some of those things would probably be really helpful so if you're ever in that space definitely reach out um, and just make sure I got the web address right it's smirk media or smirknewmedia.com smirknewmedia.com yeah so smirknewmedia.com you can reach out to Mike there Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you have any uh, final thoughts for our listeners before we, uh, we hit the end record button here? No, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. And, I, you know, if any chance 
anybody gets to tell their story, uh, they should take advantage of it because you don't know about who's going to be listening and who's going to, who you're going to spark after that conversation. Absolutely. That's why we do the show. So again, thank you so much, Mike, for coming on. We really appreciate it.